0: Hello, hello, happy Fourth of July, everyone, and welcome to NYU's premier student news and culture show, The Rundown, here on WNYU 89.1 FM and online everywhere at WNYU.org. I'm your host, Harrison VJ Choi. The Democratic candidates for the 2020 presidential race took the debate stage over two nights last week. In a patriotic fashion, The Rundown's REO2C brings you almost four hours of politics talk in under five minutes.
1: the Democratic candidates for the 2020 election took the debate stage last week for a two-night extravaganza, their first chances to make a major impression on voters on a range of topics from climate change and immigration to health care and foreign affairs. This debate was a departure from the usual format, probably to avoid the mess we saw in 2015 with the Republican primaries and to give the lesser-known candidates a chance to speak without being overshadowed by their rivals. Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke, kicked off the first debate by showing off his Espanol. This economy has got to work for everyone. And right now we know that it isn't. And it's going to take all of us coming together to make sure that it does. Necesitamos incluir cada persona en el éxito de esta economía. Pero si queremos hacer eso, necesitamos incluir cada persona en nuestra democracia. Uh, Cada votar, cada cada votante, necesitamos la representación y cada voz necesitamos escuchar. Right now we have a system that favors those who can pay for access and outcomes. Cory Booker and Julian Castro followed suit throughout the night. There were questions leading up to the debate about whether Senator Elizabeth Warren would suffer being in the first debate without the frontrunners. Considering the field, Warren saw her chance to take the spotlight and took full advantage of it outlining her stances on breaking up big tech companies and erasing student debt.
2: So I think of it this way, who is this economy really working for? It's doing great for a thinner and thinner slice at the top. It's doing great for giant drug companies. It's just not doing great for people who are trying to get a prescription filled. It's doing great for people who want to invest in private prisons. Just not for the African-Americans and Latinx whose families are torn apart, whose lives are destroyed, and whose communities are ruined.
1: Former Vice President Joe Biden, the clear frontrunner going into the second night of debates, did not show the usual charisma we see from him when he's on the national stage. One of the most heated moments of the night came when Senator Kamala Harris grilled him on his civil rights record.
2: I do not believe you are a racist, and I agree with you. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools, and she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. So I will tell you that on this subject, it cannot be an intellectual debate among Democrats. We have to take it seriously. We have to act swiftly.
1: Mayor Pete Buttigieg also faced tough questions on race relations, following a fatal police shooting in his town of South Bend, Indiana. My community is in anguish right now because of an officer-involved shooting, a black man, Eric Logan, killed by a white officer. And I'm not allowed to take sides until the investigation comes back. The officer said he was attacked with a knife, but he didn't have his body camera on. It's a mess, and we're hurting. And I could walk you through all of the things that we have done as a community, all of the steps that we took from bias training to de-escalation, but it didn't save the life of Eric Logan. Of course, one of the most anticipated results of the debates are the initial polling numbers. Although Biden has been steadily dropping in the polls, he still stands head and shoulders above the competition. The Real Clear Politics average puts the former VP at almost 12 points ahead of his closest competitor, Senator Sanders, who sits at 15 percent. Harris and Warren round out the top four after they both got significant boosts thanks to their performance of the debates. But there's still a long road to the Iowa caucus, and if past primaries are any indication, it's going to be unpredictable. For The Rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM, New York, this has been Arya Tusi.
0: <laughs> Ah, summer. It's the time for picnics, fireworks, and awkward family barbecues. But in the world of basketball, summer signifies the start of summer free agency. Now, what free agency, you may ask? Well, basically after the NBA season is over and a championship is won, NBA teams use the summer to reorchestrate their player rosters. This may include releasing players, trading players, keeping players by negotiating contracts, but most importantly, the summer is a prime time to sign what we call unrestricted free agents. An unrestricted free agent is basically a player who has exhausted a certain team contract who now has the ability to test out the market in hopes of signing a bigger contract in a preferred destination. With this information now in your head, you may be thinking, wow, being an unrestricted free agent sounds pretty awesome. And in some ways, you're totally right. Like, take arguably the most popular player in 2018 unrestricted free agent, LeBron James.
1: Cleveland triggers in. James, two seconds, one second to the winner. Uh-oh! Lebron James delivers.
0: Last summer, James managed to negotiate a four-year, $153 million contract with the Los Angeles Lakers, and that's not all. By signing with the Lakers, James can now pursue his interest in Hollywood films as it's been revealed that while residing in LA, James has been working on Space Jam 2. But on the flip side of free agency, not everyone gets to lavishly dip their foot in La La Land, as many players end up overestimating their value and subsequently have to sign smaller contracts just to stay afloat. Take for instance former Dallas Maverick Nurlands Noel. Originally, Noel was offered a pretty hefty contract with the Dallas Mavericks which would have him earning $70 million over the course of four years. But in thinking that he was worth more, Noel took to free agency. And guess what? Nobody wanted him for more than that. He didn't get a better contract offer and he had to come crying back to Dallas where they gave him a one-year $4.1 million contract, Yikes. Now, it's very important to note that Nerlens Noel is at best a solid backup player, while LeBron James is, well, LeBron James. You see, free agency is a game not for the faint of heart, as although lower-skilled players like Noel can take a gamble on the market, higher-tier superstars like LeBron James draw immediate interest from other teams. And this interest in superstar players is exactly what both the New York Knicks and Brooklyn Nets had in common this past month. If you didn't know, New York has two NBA basketball teams. There's the New York Knicks, who finished last season with an abysmal 17 wins and 65 losses at the overrated Madison Square Garden. And then there's the Brooklyn Nets, who just came off a 42-win season and a playoff appearance over at the Barclays Center on Atlantic Avenue. If you couldn't tell, I'm a Nets fan. But all joking aside, even I'm not blind to how mediocre the Nets have been in years past. And if we're talking about mediocre basketball, we should still probably talk about the Knicks. Given that New York has two basketball teams, you'd expect there to be some kind of rivalry, right? Like a battle of the boroughs, a fight for the land of New York. But in reality, in recent years, the relationship between the Knicks and Nets has been as fiery as, well, a trash incinerator. Like, no joke. Aside from this one really good year where the Nets managed to make the playoffs, both teams have been awful. Like, really, really awful. Between terrible trades, overpaying undeserving players, and just making some real boneheaded decisions, you can say New York has been forced to endure a dumpster sports rivalry, where the teams aren't trying to one each other up in championships, rather it's a battle for who stinks less. But this past month, the Knicks and Nets have been blessed with a different type of NBA rivalry. That's right, the unrestricted free agency rivalry. With both free agent players Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving expressing their interest to play in New York, both the Knicks and Nets have been clearing space in hopes to land the superstars. Just for some clarification, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are franchise changing players. Like if you have one of these guys alone, you can bet that your team will reach some form of success. But when you have the option to not only grab one, but two of these guys and pair them up, Oh my goodness gracious, it's like turning a $1 slice of pizza into a full-on platter of caviar. And so it began, the first real NBA sports rivalry between the boroughs in a long time. A battle to change the face of New York and one that would be hard fought to the bitter end a rags-to-riches summer that would last for centuries to come, an epic battle between the wait what? Kevin Durant announces his plan to sign with the Nets on June 30th and Kyrie Irving does the same on July 1st? Hello! That's right, there was really no hard decision to be made as both Durant and Irving immediately announced their decision to play in Brooklyn just days after summer free agency started. So much for a long-drawn sports rivalry, I guess. You see, although Brooklyn hasn't been a very exciting team in years past, the last promising season that I had alluded to earlier, paired with a desirable contract, made it enough for the two superstars to join forces in Brooklyn and leave the Knicks with nothing but false hopes. As a Nets fan, I was ecstatic, I was jumping up and down, and I wanted to know how other fans felt, so I headed down to the Barclays Center to get the scoop. Can you tell me how you felt when KD and Kyrie signed? Oh, I was super excited. I mean, Brooklyn is now uh, is now going to be a championship contender.
3: I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited for the Nets franchise. I'm excited for the borough of Brooklyn. It's been a long time coming, man. The franchise has been through a lot. I mean, they've been looked at as like second-class citizens in the city of New York behind the Knicks. And I feel like it's our time finally to break out, you know what I mean? You know, and finally take the city over and finally be recognized as a powerhouse and be respected. So. I think it's awesome, man. I can't wait.
0: Will New York City always be known as a Knicks town?
3: Listen, man, this is the beginning of the end for the Knicks, man. This is, this is, this is where the power shift begins. You know, I get it. You know, this is a Knicks town. They've been here longer. They, they got more, uh, more history with the, with the city of New York. But you got to understand, winning changes everything. And as long as the Nets keep winning, the Knicks to be forgotten about i'm not saying they won't be completely forgotten about but you will see that power shift starting to tilt a little bit
0: what makes brooklyn a basketball city i mean because to be honest basketball
3: is like the heart of brooklyn on every corner you go it's a new i would say like play park it's a new ymca in a, in, a, in a sense everybody loves basketball in brooklyn and um they, everybody strives to be in in the in the basketball aspect so I feel like Brooklyn plays a great part, and, and vice versa. Basketball plays a great part in Brooklyn as well. We have all the elements here. I mean, we got the fashion, the hip-hop. We got is it star power now, obviously. We,
1: I mean, come on, they decided to put a new stadium here, you know? So Brooklyn is the new epicenter
0: of New York. Do you have anything to say to Knicks fans?
3: What I got to say to Knicks fans is you're not entitled to anything, okay? Knicks fans, think they're entitled to good players because of where they play at. Listen, you have to start from your infrastructure and you have to build with the players you have. You have to earn respect.
0: Like I said earlier, not everyone wins in summer free agency. So I went over to Madison Square Garden to check up and see how Knicks fans were feeling. Tell me how you felt when the Nets took Kyrie and KD. I knew
3: Kyrie wasn't coming, so I was okay with it. KD, it kind of got me a little mad. I mean we 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 building in the draft so it's cool.
0: Why do you think the Nets had a better shot?
3: I think they had the better shot because of Jay Z. Just to speak culturally, uh, African Americans they love Jay-Z. Jay-Z is a Brooklyn fan and Kyrie just signed with Rock Nation. Kevin Durant is on Rock Nation. So if it was me, I'd probably end up going to to the Nets too.
0: Will the Knicks still rule the city?
3: Well, they're, they're
0: the older team. They're the, they're the only team. They have the greatest fan base. All the most, 95% of the fans or more have a knowledge about basketball. Do you have anything to say to Nets fans? To
3: Nets fans? I hope y'all don't win before we do. But I still love y'all because y'all are a New York team.
0: So at the end of the day, even though the Nets caught the better free agents, a lot is still up in the air. Will the Knicks continue to be as bad as they are? Will the Nets finally make a run for a championship? Who knows? Only time will tell. Thank you so much for listening to The Rundown here on WNYU 89.1 FM. As always, feel free to connect with us over at news at wnyu.org or keep up with previous episodes on Apple Podcasts. Sick Transit Glory is next. I'm your host, Harrison Vijay Choi. Happy 4th of July, and I'll see you guys next week.